My name's Mitch and I'm an alcoholic. Nice to be here. Thanks for that amazing intro. (laughs) Such energy in that. It's nice to be wanted. Uh, I want to thank uh, Ryan for asking me to do this over text. I've never met Ryan. I don't know who he is, but he shot me a text and we speak and I said yes because that's what I was taught to do <clears throat> so uh thanks Ryan and I want to thank Christy for clarifying this isn't a five minute pitch this is like a 45 minute pitch and I'm like oh my god what and uh and then and I was joking with her but you should have seen the expression on her face she's like oh my god do you know what you're doing <laughs> have you ever done this before she asked, like, do you have any questions? And I'm like, no, what do I say? <laughs> Thanks for being a good sport. I, I will tell a story, though. In my first year of recovery, the Turtle Rock meeting, I think it's Friday or Saturday night, uh, had a speaker meeting. And somebody asked me, I have no idea why they asked me to leave that meeting or to be the speaker. But somebody asked me to speak. I probably had, like, six months or something. And, and I think it was like a 20 minute pitch or so. Maybe it was a 10 minute pitch. I don't remember, but I gave my, my whole pitch in one minute. And then I was like, uh, <laughs> now what? And, and the first person I ever met in AA was Len D who was just, he was so kind. I, I, I got my second arrest for drunk driving and I had to go get uh, 52 signatures on, you know, court card and, I went to the acceptance meeting uh, at the same place, Turtle Rock. It was the first meeting I went to. My mom dropped me off, and uh, um, I sat next to, to Lynn. And uh, that meeting, they had napkins with cookies on them. And uh, I felt like I was this tall, and like Lynn was this tall. And I had no idea who Lynn was or whatever, right? I didn't know what was going on. And he looked at me and he just, he reached out to the napkin that had the cookies that were in front of him. And he just like slid him over and put him in front of me. And I, I, I would, to this day, I mean, that was 1981. Uh, I still remember. I mean, it was like the kindest thing, not like the kindest thing anybody had ever done, but it was such a kind thing. Like, it's okay, man. You're welcome, you know, to be here. And it just, it really moved me. And so <clears throat> Lynn and his wife, Bonnie, were at that speaker meeting that, uh, and so they kind of like would cheer me on. And I was in my early twenties, you know, just an idiot. And uh, they would like cheer me on. So there I am after 60 seconds and my pitch was done. I'm like, got 19 more minutes, man. What am I going to say? And Bonnie's like, come on, Mitch, you can do it. Like in front of the crowd, you can do it. Keep going. I'm like, well, then there was this one time where I... <laughs> so, anyway, uh, it's a blessing to have... Uh, it's a blessing to have experience to be able to share. It truly is. And um, by the grace of God, these spectacular 12 steps, you know, a fellowship of beautiful people like you all over the world, I've been sober since October 28th, 1986, clean and sober since October 28th, 1986. And uh, 
I'm just so grateful for that. And I'm, I'm so grateful that <clears throat> we were reading, and, and I love chapter three and chapter five, those readings. I grew up an hour and a half long meetings, and they read those in every single meeting. And hearing about the insanity of our, design, of our disease, the insanity of my disease, the fact that the thought has not come back that a drink or drug would be a good idea. I am still to this day, I make a gratitude list every single morning. And that's like the first thing, being sober is the first thing that's on that gratitude list. The fact that that has not come back, that some power has stood between me and that thought, you know, and I know that's not true for everybody. And I do a lot of work and I believe in cause and effect, but really the grace of God, you guys and those steps, I think is, is, uh, is the formula that's made that work for me. And I, I am so, so, so grateful for that. And a couple of us were talking about what it was like. Kelly's talking about spending some time with his daughter, <clears throat> 22 years old, and she wants to spend time with him and all that. And, and uh, uh, I was at dinner with a couple buddies th Thursday night. And we were talking about high school and the, the stuff we used to do. And uh, I, was about, I was about 20 years old. My dad had left when I was about 10. And then uh, he moved to a different state. I was about 15, 16, and you know, I needed some man guidance, direction, or whatever. And so I, I talked to my mom into let me go live with him. And I did that, that only lasted about a year and a half. He, he was one of us in his disease. And uh, I came back, I hated his guts. I hated that guy. And he hated me. And we didn't talk for like three years. And then <clears throat> something happened, and we, we started talking again. And, he came out to visit, he and his buddy who was a judge in Oklahoma City, and uh, pulls up and walks up, hands me an envelope with 700 bucks in it. He says, hey, go get us a quarter ounce of blow. And, uh, <laughs> and I did, you know? And uh, <clears throat> I'm just thinking about, you know, like how jacked up that is, right? Like, you know, I drank with my dad. I smoked weed with my dad. We'd go to bars and chase women together. You know, we'd listen, we'd hear each other blowing chow in the, in the, in the morning, right? Throwing up the next day. <clears throat> I came home from school one time and uh, was in the middle of the day and uh, he'd come home from work and, and, and fell asleep and kind of lost track of time or something. And, you know, I just got out of school, was coming home and going back to football practice. And I came around the corner and he was standing there with a gun pointed at my head. And he thought it was somebody breaking into the house. He was just like, you know, still coming to, right? Had no clue <laughs> what the hell was, was going on. And it was just, just kind of like messed up, you know, situation. So, <clears throat> so today, you know, Kelly's talking about going to some 80s cover band gig with his daughter and dancing for a couple of hours. I just left my house with my wife, who we just celebrated 37 years of marriage, which is just such a blessing. And, uh, and my daughter and my future son-in-law. And we had just spent the last couple of hours going over the last details of her wedding, <clears throat> which is on the 23rd of next month. And, uh, uh, and, and this, this is a nice affair. It's a beautiful, beautiful affair. And my daughter and I 
have this really beautiful relationship, as does my son, who got married last year, lives in New York City. He's been there for 10 years. He's moving home next year. And I, and I share that because the difference between what <clears throat> the life I had with my dad and the life that I get to live today is Alcoholics Anonymous. The only difference between that, you know, grandparents, the normal people in our lives, good, solid citizens, good people, right? They didn't have the disease. They didn't go through the insanity. But the difference, the total difference is what I was taught here in AA. You know, the, the principles of honesty, integrity, keeping your mouth shut. Man, let me tell you this, man. The, the, the number one thing I was taught here, I mean, besides, you know, go to be work steps, get a sponsor, get a relationship with the power grade in yourself, get commitments and all that stuff. The, the, but the one thing outside that, don't take the first train. And the second one right next to that is keep your mouth shut. You know, <laughs> nobody cares about my opinion. They really don't. And, uh, but I just think the gift, the gift of Alcoholics Anonymous, you know, we'll have 150 people at this wedding. I'll get up for a couple of minutes and say something, you know, beautiful about her. But really my heart will just be singing the entire time thinking, you know what? <clears throat> Not just like if I had, if I had never gotten here, that would have never, I would have never had, you know, a family in my life. But if I hadn't stayed here, if I didn't continuously do what's available for us, right? It's a microscopic amount of inconvenience, really, when you think about it. I mean, my selfishness and self-centeredness, the delusion will tell me, this is a lot of work, man. Or this is inconvenient. Or, oh my God, I have to drive all the, I have to wear pants tonight, Jesus. I mean, there's a lot, right? <laughs> so, I mean, my mind, my disease will tell you that, but quite honestly, it's a super small price to pay compared to the spectacular life that we get to live. I mean, just the fact that, and thank you very much, Greg. You're Greg, uh, I reached out to Greg today. I had someone, anyway, thank you for leading. I appreciate that. And I love what you said, you know, I love the effects produced by alcohol, which is in our doctor's opinion. And, and I agree. Uh, we were joking a little before the meeting. So yeah, I like that too. And, and mine was like a Bolivian blackout. Um, but today I love the effects produced by Alcoholics Anonymous. You know, 36 years of continuously doing this thing, I get to live this life, it's just unbelievable. And the fact that that hasn't come back in, you know, is, uh, is first and foremost. But the fact that I can practice these principles in all our affairs, I can continue to take an inventory of myself, I can clean something up when I'm wrong immediately, ask God for some guidance and direction, I've got some, you know, a plan for the, you know, in the morning. He tells me, I mean, it's pretty simple. Just flip the page 86. What if on awakening, here's what you do. And then it says with a couple of more paragraphs throughout the day. And then when we go back up to the top, it's kind of funny how we had that design, but we go back to the top and say, hey, when we try at night, just answer the questions, right? If I just follow that recipe, get in line and do what you guys do, you know, I, I get to have this, uh, this amazing life. So anyway, I'm, uh, Clearly not a very linear speaker. Um, <laughs> so what was that's what it's like, you know. <laughs> you can do it. You can do it. Thank you. 
You know, it's so cool to just be comfortable in your own skin, right? Hey, I've been sober 36, almost 37 years. I've been sober two and a half times longer than I drank or used. I've been sober for the math people in Europe 60% of my life. I mean, that's a lot of AA, right? That's a lot of Alcoholics Anonymous. And, 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 and we were talking about, <clears throat> a lot of people want me to fix Tim. You know, <laughs> sorry, 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 sorry. So, so, but the delusion of that is like I'm powerless over alcohol. I'm powerless. I'm powerless. Powerless over me. Powerless over you. Powerless over him. Powerless over all of them stuff. So it's just kind of like I can't. I can't do that stuff. But, but, but I've got power over my attitude, and I've got power over my actions, right? And so in my space, right here. I'm good with me. I'm good with God. And I try to add value, you know, to everybody I come in contact with. And so when you're there, right, it's like, oh, yeah, that's what it's like now. I guess I should go backwards and tell you what it's what it was like. You know, it's all good, man. It's all good. It's all it's all good. But it did start early for me, man. I started at 10 and uh, <clears throat> my parents had these really cool cocktail parties in the 60s. And uh, looked fun and glamorous, and everyone was was classy. They were in suits and smoked their cigarettes and drank out of the fancy glasses. And the music was there, and they danced. And, and it looked what I saw in that was nowhere near what I felt inside. As a young person, I felt completely different than the way the whole world appeared. And what I saw, my parents and the neighbors and and and, and my my fathers, you know business associates, you know, doing was drinking. And so I thought, okay, it must be in that, right? And so one 4th of July, <clears throat> went into the garage, opened the, the, the garage fridge, stole a, um, you know, stole a beer, uh, went out to the park, grabbed a bunch of kids and said, hey, let's drink this thing. We sat in a circle and, you know, passed it around about 20 times, taking little sips of it. And when it was done, I was the only one who jumped up and said, let's go get another one. And they're like, oh, that was gross, too. And I did, man. And let me tell you, the magic happened for me. I put alcohol in my system and everything was okay. And But I also have the disease that once I took that first drink, man, there was no control. And I had no desire for there to be any control whatsoever. And the next day, man, the pain in my head, it felt like somebody was just pounding a nail through my head. That pain was so great. I was just like, oh, my God, I couldn't believe my mouth was all dry. I just, you know, hung over. And uh, but I remember looking back on, man, last night I was like Superman. I mean, I just felt like I was I was comfortable in my own skin. I felt like I feel tonight. You know, I was just comfortable in my own skin. And I thought, man, I will suffer this pain for as long as I have, you know, for, forever just to get the juice that I got the night before. I totally thought it was worth it. And I chased that for as long as I could. And a few months later, I, I grew up in Huntington Beach. And a few months later, uh, there were parties in our neighborhood all the time. And there was a party going on in the backyard. And you just could open up gates and go back, right? And, uh, and I did. And there was a little circle there. And uh, I walked up to the circle. And the dude next to me you know, did this. And uh, I knew what it was. And I knew it was wrong. But I took it and I hit it and then I handed it to the next guy. And it was was like, hey, dude, you belong. 
man. You're part of us. You can be with us. And the brain that was telling me the things in my head was telling me as a youngster, I must be from Mars. These people are freaking weird. What am I doing here? You know, the, the, the stories going on in my mind were super, super cruel and not completely inaccurate, but very, very cruel. And uh, so for someone to, in their actions, say, you belong, you can be one of us, you know, it was like, oh, yeah. Not like I had arrived, but it was like, okay, I can get through this. I can make this. And so I had my little, you know, pothead friends over here. I had my little drinking friends over here. I had my little sports friends over here. I kind of just had this little, you know, <laughs> network of, 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 a, of a life. And, uh, um, you know, alcohol worked for me. I mean, it just did. I mean, it just closed that voice down, a, a, you know, long enough. And so I drank from, from 10 to about 21, got arrested a couple of times for drunk driving, <clears throat> was uh, uh, um, uh, told to come to uh, 52 AA meetings and get court card signed. And that first meeting I talked about, the uh, acceptance meeting, I think is it's called in Irvine. You know, something happened in that. Besides Lynn passing me the cookies and making me feel like, hey, you know, there's some kindness here. <clears throat> I could hear a little teeny tiny bit. You know, I still felt like, you know, I'm an animal and you are human beings. And so there was like a big difference, not like a little difference, a big difference. Uh, but there were some similarities. There were some whisper. And I think it was more of a language of the heart, like other sick people talking to another sick person. And that, hey, man, you know what? It's going to be okay. And uh, through going <clears throat> to those meetings and, and, and getting, you know, having, uh, getting the signatures and all that stuff, you know, something started to click. And I, and I stopped drinking. And um, uh, I had the disease, though, right? It's, it's like my phone had, like, I was going to say 2% power, but it probably had 1% power. You know, I was coming to meetings and getting signatures and I was starting to hear some stuff and I was starting to hear some similar stuff, but the disease still had me. So what that looked like I, was I wasn't drinking, but little marijuana maintenance, occasional little social freebasing <laughs> at the trailer park, you know, just to take the edge off. Uh, I had come to a meeting that had the steps up like this. I read them one night, so I thought that meant that I had worked the steps. I saw the same guys at the meeting every week, so I did a little head knob thing, so I thought I had, you know, I was part of the fellowship. Put away one chair on my way out, so I thought it was absurd. <laughs> and, that, and that was my program. So three and a half years in Alcoholics Anonymous doing that even after the court card was signed i couldn't wait to get to my first meeting after a court card i don't know if anybody's had a court card but man that first meeting you get to go to it feels like legit i'm still smoking weed and doing blow but you know i'm not drinking <laughs> and i'm not on a court card but but there was something about that you know it's just like oh man you know I'm, I'm here but that when i physically what if i go back and look the times between my using were getting longer and longer the amounts that I was using was getting less and less. It, it almost looked social, except that I was a, you know, alcoholic and a drug addict. <laughs> but I will tell you, coming in here, watching lives change, seeing guys like Mateo get a year, seeing guys like Jay get 11 months, seeing people start to get their lives turn around a little bit, 
the hole in my soul was getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And uh, <clears throat> the, the lie, you know, the lie that I lived uh, of telling my family and friends, I never said it, but the assumption was I was clean and sober because I'm going to these AA meetings, you know, uh, was brutal. The weight of that was brutal. So I, uh, I'm, uh, I'm 24 years old. I had just gotten married. I was a senior in college. Some outside things were obviously starting to get a, a little bit better. Just going to some meetings. The whole is gigantic, man. I need to get this secret out, but I can't tell. And you know, I can't do. I'm not doing anything about it. And uh, I come home one night after being out with a couple of buddies and. I don't know about any of you, but my chin had this bizarre reaction to cocaine that when I did cocaine, my chin really liked to swivel really fast. <laughs> so, so, uh, so I went out with the boys, had a little cocaine, came home, thought my wife would be asleep. We've been married like four months. And uh, she wasn't asleep, so I thought I would just wait her out outside in the car. You know, <laughs> when you're, you know, when you're blazing, right? It's like every second seems like an hour. So like <laughs> five minutes had gone by. I felt like it was a month. <laughs> and then, and then, then the idiot pops in there. Says, oh, "Dude, you can pull it off. She's never gonna know. It's gonna be fine." And, and uh, so I'm like, okay, we're like this little 600 square foot apartment, like the front door's here, the bathroom's there, the bedroom's there. I'm like, okay, I'll bust in the bathroom, I'll brush my teeth, wash my face, and then slide in and buy another minute or two, maybe she'll turn off the light. And uh, of course she didn't. And so I walk in, I walk into the door and, uh, hey, how was Richard and, and, and Mark? I go, oh yeah, it was really good. She's like, she's like, what the heck? Are you high? I'm like, well, and then I quickly I blame it on Richard. Well, Richard had some and you know, blah, blah, blah. And Richard didn't have it. It was all my idea. But uh, <laughs> and 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 she looked at me and thank you, God, thank you, God, thank you, God. She she reached over to the nightstand, she grabbed her little bookmark, she put the bookmark in her little trashy novel, sat it down. She looked at me and she said, Hey Mitch, you know what, man? I'm not going to be one of those wives. And she just reached over and turned off the light. And finally, finally, years, years, years of that secret was finally out. And I freaking jump on the bed crying, begging her to help me. And she's like, you're an idiot. You've been going to AA for three and a half years. I can't help you. Get your own help. You get the help or get out. That was it. And thank God, thank God, you know, she had the courage, you know, to, to, to say that. And uh, next day I asked a guy for help. And uh, there was a guy, Mark G, who had, uh, who had a couple of years and he was doing the deal, you know, he, he, he went to men's meetings. He was taking guys through the steps. He was, uh, uh, he had commitments and he had what I wanted, man. And I asked him, I said, hey, I need help. Will, will you be my sponsor? And he said, are you willing to go to any length? I said, I'll do anything. And then he said, all right, I don't know if this is going to work for you, right? I, I have no idea if this is going to work for you or not. But I'll, and I'm not going to ever tell you what to do. 
I'm just going to show you exactly what my sponsor has shown me. I've stayed sober two years. Maybe you can, maybe you can't. I don't know. But I'm just going to show you what he showed me. And maybe it'll work. And man, I grabbed a hold of that dude and I did everything he said. He said, get out a piece of paper right now. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And then Monday, we're here at 8. Tuesday, we're here. Tuesday, you come to my house at 6. Then we go to this meeting. And he had me write it down. He goes, dude, take this on your fridge. And then whatever day it is, just look at the thing. That's where we're going. And I just did it. I just did it, right? I was just willing to go to any length. And I finally surrendered. And I, you know, I believe that the alcoholism is that little whisper, the little seduction, the little story we tell ourselves. I'm unique. I'm different. I don't need to do those steps. I read them. I got it. Right. Yeah. I'm willing to do all that stuff. You know? Yeah. Guy, thanks. Help. You know, you know, that's so I believe that's the disease keeping me from fully engaging in this thing. And then through his example more than anything uh and then his instruction which was what his sponsor showed him man i got 30 days and then i got 60 days and then i got 90 days and then six months and then nine months man i remember getting nine months going oh my god i couldn't believe i had nine months clean and sober at this point it's been about almost four and a half years i've been coming to aa right so it's not like hey first time in and like hey this is cool it's like, I didn't know if this was going to work for me because the voices were still there. The voices were there. You're a piece. You know, you have no value. You don't matter. Life is hard. I can't. Right. The belief system was there and it's rooted in about a thousand different branches out there. So I got that story going on in my head, I'm starting to get a little bit of power. I haven't smoked any weed. I haven't done any blow. I haven't drank in, in, in a few years at this point, you know, but I started to get a little bit of traction. And then a little bit of traction. And the magic for me was in the middle of my ninth step, I had used to steal booze from grocery stores. I had no money. I needed a drink. I'd go to stores. I'd grab bottles, put in my pants, and then walk out. And uh, so obviously that was on my eighth step. And I had to go back and pay all those stores back. And there was a liquor store. It's still there in Huntington Hilltop Liquor, on the beach in Indianapolis. And uh, old man Irvine owned that. And I worked there. <clears throat> and uh, at midnight you turn off the security camera and go out and lock the door. Well, I would turn off the security uh, camera, grab the hand truck, roll it out to my car and fill my trunk full of booze and uh, then lock the door. And uh, I had to go back there and tell him, you know, what I had done. And he kept a gun and a bat under the, under the register and, and behind the counter. And he wasn't afraid to use it. You know, that's how, that's what that little store fed his family. And stealing from him was the worst thing you could do. So to go back to him, who had employed me there, and to make, you know, tell him what I had done, and then to say, you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get sober. Part of the process is to clean up the wreckage of my past. I did wrong here, and I want to clean it up, you know. And this is how much money I owe you. I don't have that much money. I have like a third of it, but I'll come every week when I get paid and pay you. And I did that. <clears throat> and... Uh, I don't know. I was near the end. I wasn't done, but I was near the end. You know, I gave him 20 or 40 bucks, whatever I could. And uh, I remember walking back to my car and there was like this little teeny tiny voice inside. that says, you might just make it. And as fast as it came up, I recognized it and I pushed it down too. I'm like, man, I don't want to jinx this thing. You know, I did not want to interrupt <laughs> 10 months or whatever it was at that time that I had. 
But through that process, I started to see, hey, wait a second, you do this work and things like this take over here. They kind of like work out over here, you know? I started to see this. And so um, anyway, I, you know, I, I continue with that work and, and, and got through the 12 steps. And, and I want to share this. I shared this. Recently. What time? What, how much time do I have? You have about 16 minutes. Oh, okay. 45 seconds. So, so I shared this recently in a meeting and people, the reaction of people surprised me, but my, my, my first definitely 10, probably close to 15, not probably not 20, but around that time frame, I didn't share in meetings. The fear was still overwhelming to me. I mean, the fear I, every single day to this day, still every morning, every night, I hit my knees and ask God to keep me clean and sober. But for the first probably 20 years of my sobriety, I was still saying, if you could please remove just a little tiny bit of this fear, I'd be forever grateful. And it still owned me, you know, well into my, into my uh, sobriety. And, uh, and so I share that. And it wasn't because I wasn't working steps. It wasn't because I didn't have a great morning routine. It wasn't because I didn't have a, a, a commitment or dedication or this stuff. It was part of the process. It just took that long for me to get to that place of going through the reps where I had enough of an understanding of my mind, right? I will say this, that I, when I came in and Mark asked me if I was willing to go to any length, it was like we used to have this thing. It's like, you know, put all your chips in. And I did. I remember thinking, okay, man, I'm banking 100% on AA and I'm never taking my chips off the table. And that, I still think like that, right? Well, the problem with that thinking was it didn't really allow me any other opportunities other than Alcoholics Anonymous to learn anything about myself, right? So one time I'm like 18 years sober, I'm leading a meeting at the Canyon Club and a guy shares about being happy, joyous, and free. Most of the time, happy, joyous, and free. I'm thinking, freaking 18 years sober, man, I ain't happy, joyous, and free most of the time. I mean, I've experienced that, but I don't feel like that most of the time. And a couple of days later, we're in the book and we read that little section where it says the problem centers in your mind. And God just says, hey, Mitch, you might want to get to know your mind a little bit better. And so I, in addition to, and I hesitated, that was 18 years ago, I've hesitated sharing this in meetings because I know that someone's disease in there will say, oh, I just need to go get some outside help. I don't need AA. But I just want to be clear that in addition to, not in substitution of, but in addition to Alcoholics Anonymous, I did not stop one thing that I was doing in AA. I started to get some outside help. I started to get some understanding of my belief systems. I started to get to an understanding about emotions. I had, I didn't realize it. I had like really no emotional intelligence. I mean, I knew good and bad, you know? And so, I mean, I had a little better vocabulary than that, but not much, right? And so, wow, if I want a really rich, full, amazing life, I think I should probably get a little bit of emotional intelligence going here. So I invested a ton of work into all of that stuff. And thank God that I did. It's only added to my recovery. It's only added, you know, to the joy that's in my life today. It's only added to the fulfillment, to the sense of purpose, to the lies that are in my head. All right. I mean, my alcoholism hasn't gone away. My alcoholism, that's drinking and thinking. It's not just Jack Daniels and cocaine. That's drinking and thinking. If my perception is off, my strategy is going to be wrong. <laughs> thinking is going to tell me that to go play football or actually playing basketball. 
It ain't going to work. It's just not going to work. So the problem centers in here. But when I can get the, percep the perception of my situation more accurate, which typically means put something down on paper, run it by somebody, prayer meditation, pause, you get a little clarity. Oh, hey, now it's not an unmanageable situation. It's a far more manageable situation. And then I can execute on that. So I don't know what any of that stuff means, but uh, <laughs> anybody here really cares? I do know what it means, man. It means there's a man standing before you who hasn't drank in almost 37 years, and he's pretty happy and comfortable in his own skin, you know, and, and, and he's done the deal. I, I will say this, uh, uh, like, what does it look like to have 30, like, what's a dude with 36 years do, you know? Like, what's your sobriety entail? So <clears throat> those first years where I was really quiet in AA, uh, and then started to, to develop some emotional intelligence and learn how to push through the fear and started participating and sharing more. The opportunity to help people, you know, started kind of avalanche, which was really spectacular. And that shows up for me in the form of taking guys to this, the 12 steps. And uh, I have no idea how long it's been. It's been a long time, but <clears throat> I've, I've learned... In the beginning of my taking guys to the steps, someone would ask, I'd say, yes, we'd meet, we'd start with step one, give them an exercise. And when they were done, we'd meet and do step, you know, he'd read step one and then we'd go to two. And <clears throat> alcoholics are undisciplined and that schedule didn't really get us through a lot of steps. But what I did know is like, hey, if Sunday night at seven o'clock, we're here, right? Kind of easy. I mean, people can get behind that. So I started doing the same thing with guys in steps. Like, that was my Saturday guy. That's my Wednesday guy. That's my Thursday guy. That's my Tuesday guy. So I just started setting up days and times with people. And, and now it's funny. <clears throat> someone comes up and says, hey, you know, you, you know, I need a sponsor. And I'm like, I don't sponsor guys, but I'll take you through the steps. And, uh, uh, and, and if I have a day and a slot, I'll do that with somebody. And so it's been <clears throat> a long time now where I've had somebody about six days a week. Thursday nights, I try not to do anything. Thursday nights, I try to go out with guys to connect with them a little bit more, right? So, <clears throat> uh, but I got six days a week. I got somebody working the steps. And, and you know, I've got, I've got a big job. I work for a Fortune, probably 100 company in the world. Uh, you know, it, you know I've, got, I've got a lot of responsibility got a wife, we got an expensive wedding I got to pay for. I got a lot of, I got a lot of stuff, right? I'm, 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 uh, I'm an athlete, you know, I, I take care of myself and I spend a lot of time in AA. I spend a lot of time in AA. And when I, if you sat back and thought, I was like, what, what is this guy sleep? I mean, you know, where's he got time for all this stuff? What's funny is like the more I put into AA, it's like hours just show up to do everything else. I think the efficiency and the effectiveness of everything else that I do, probably because I'm not thinking about what does this mean for me, but what can I do for you? It gets really you know, narrow when you do that. You know, I have more time to do more things, but I get up every single morning early. I spend about an hour and a half doing a, a morning routine that's reading, writing, praying, meditating, and stretching. 
Um, and then I get to work. I set an intention. Part of that writing is a gratitude list. And then I was taught in the, in the sixth and seventh step that once I've identified what my character defects are, I look up the opposite of those as the character trait I want to apply to myself to get rid of the character defect that I'm asking God to remove from me. So I take one of those every day and I work on that. I, I focus as I, as you know, upon awakening, we consider the plans for the day. So I look from 4 a.m. to 7 p.m. What's on my calendar and where can I put compassion in those? What meetings do I have? What interactions do I have where I could probably add some compassion if that's the character trait that I'm working on for the day? I put that inside there. And then I, <clears throat> and then usually I get to about four meetings a week. Um, uh, I'm with the, I'm with six guys doing, doing actively doing the steps. And then at night, I probably only do this about 25% of the time, but several nights a week, I'll pull up the, the, the questions and just read when we retire at night. Cause then during the day I'm taking that 10 step and I'm looking, you know, my selfish, dishonest and my fear do I have resentments. And if I'm just kind of keeping track of that throughout the day, <clears throat> those 16 questions at night are kind of like, you just kind of whip right through them. So that's, that's kind of the routine of what this guy at 36 years of sobriety looks like. And I know it probably sounds like, oh my God, that's freaking work. Who wants to do all that? But I'm, I'm, I'm just telling you, I, in, I put this time in AA and all this other stuff is available to me, you know, to do travel. I mean, it's a pretty full, rich life that I get to experience as a result of, of, of doing this stuff. And, and my joy, obviously, as I shared about, you know, my daughter's wedding coming up and we got family coming in from all over and, uh, you know, that's just, you know, that's just really special. I mean, that's just like a true blessing to be an example of Alcoholics Anonymous, these principles in, in my home and in, in, in my office. I mean, people at work think I'm just weird. They always have thought I was a little weird, right? They're like, dude, like, I mean, I had, I was the president of the company for a long time. And, uh, you know, I just do what we do here. That's what I was taught. Just do what we do here. And I'd ask guys like working in the warehouse, hey, what do you think we should do? Like, dude, you're the president. Why are you asking me? <laughs> well, you're the one doing the work. You should you tell me what to do. I don't know. I don't do your job. Like, wow, like he really means what he says like that stuff. I just do the stuff that we were taught here, you know, and 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 you get to have this pretty magical, you know, ex experience here. But I'm I'm uh I think the thing that 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 chooses me the most <clears throat> right now, and there's a lot of good, and I'll tell you, <clears throat> 36 years of sobriety, it wasn't all good in 2005, man. Uh, when the market crashed, I was just getting, I was just getting off my knees in a new business that I'd launched <clears throat> and my financial partner couldn't finance anymore. I was too far in and I had taken some money from investors, you know, legit. Um, and, and, and it was like, I couldn't bail out. So I started putting, you know, my kids' college education, my retirement, my, uh, the, the mortgage, everything I had into my, into this business. And I saved it for about another four years, <clears throat> but got to the point, man, where there was nothing. I had $2.36 in my checking account. I had a son who was a sophomore in college. 
a daughter who was a senior in high school getting ready to go to college, a wife who had been home for 20 years taking care of us and, uh, and no prospects, man, nothing. And, uh, whew, 24 years sober, you know, and, and having to borrow 20 bucks from a guy because the lights on in my gas tank and it's Wednesday. I'm not getting paid till Friday. And the drive is 18 miles. I get 18 miles to the, I mean, you do the math, right? That's when gas started going up. I mean, 20 bucks gets me four gallons, gets me 64 miles. Okay, I I can get it to the paycheck. You know, it's like, you know, those days when you're eating the canned food that's in the pantry that you used to give to the shelter, you know, type of stuff. And that didn't last for like a week or a month or a year. It lasted for several years. It took me 12 years to pay all that back, which happened a year ago, March. But uh, but I never stopped believing in Alcoholics Anonymous. I never stopped doing the work here. I didn't eat a couple of meals, big deal, you know. But I always knew that God was with me. I always knew. I remember sharing. I think you had me speak at the Saturday night meeting at, at the Canyon Club. And it just kind of dawned on me. It's just like, it's like <clears throat> I had God right here. I had, I had my family right here. And I have all of you <laughs> all around me. I'm safe and sound. I'm safe and sound. I had a situation that was brutal, right? Not as bad as some, not a health issue with a child or something like that. You know, nothing with, wrong with my marriage or anything like that. But I have financial as the provider and all this stuff. It was, it was, it was brutal. But because I had paid all those guys back, the liquor stores that I had stolen from, because I paid all those guys back, I knew I'd pay these guys back. I knew it was going to take a long time. I had no idea how, but I knew if I didn't drink, kept doing this deal, someday I would. And it was a big number, you know, but, you know, I just paid a little bit and a little bit. It kept showing up and I kept, you know, I went from being the president of a company at, at, at one point, owning my own business. And I worked for Milton Crackers part-time stocking shelves for 15 bucks an hour. And I remember being on my hands and knees in a Ralph's in uh, uh, Los Alamitos. And I'm down there, I'm on my hands and knees, the bottom shelf counting how many boxes of crackers in here because I got to place a little order for 15 bucks an hour. And I remember, and then I just like, I just, I just sat down on my butt I just started laughing. I just started laughing. It's just like, man, I've come a long way. <laughs> but you know, it's just like, you just got to kind of laugh about it, right? You know? But in my order, it was like, glad he called me the next day. He said, hey, could you go to these six stores tomorrow? And I did, right? And then that led to another job, which led to another job, which led to another job, which, you know, today it's all, it's all good. But faith and perseverance, man. Being, I wasn't the first guy to go broke in AA. I'm definitely not going to be the last guy to go broke in AA. But what I was told was, hey, you can, you're you uniquely qualified, Mitch, to share that with people to give somebody else hope. And I'd, I'd never been to two AA meetings in the same day, you know, up to that point, 24 years sober, two AA meetings in the same day. I started going to three AA meetings a day. Not because I was thinking about drinking. That never occurred to me. The thought of drinking or even checking out, well, taking long naps was, that's kind of checking out. But drinking and drugging was not part, that never even was just part of the equation. But there was something about just being in here that felt safe. There was just something about, and I don't even know if I even, even heard most of the stuff that people were saying. 
but there was just something about sitting over there or sitting back there or sitting right here was just safe for me. I just did that. I just did that. I just did that. And uh, anyway, um, I love A. What's, what's my time there? One minute. Perfect. All right. Are you happy? Chrissy, did I do okay to answer all your questions? Uh, <laughs> all right, good. You can report back to Ryan. And, you know, all right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, this is a good deal, man. Hey, this is really a good deal. Um, I mean, I, I, I opened this and, I, and, I, and I'll finish with this. The power the power of our disease, the insanity of the idea of picking up another drink or taking another hit or driving through that neighborhood or seeing what she's doing or any of that stuff. The power of that is so insane, but there's a power here that can keep us from tapping into that. And they get to experience something incredibly way more better, way different, way deeper, way more meaningful way more impactful. And so my prayer for you is that you find that, man, you're done and, uh, and that you find what's, what's available to all of us here. And uh, I love you. Thanks.